Good morning, church. Um, I thank God for the privilege for being able to bring the word of God to you. Um, although you can see I may not be physically in church, however, my heart is with everyone. And um, at the moment, my family and I are um, self-isolating and hence why I'm not able to be physically in church. But however, we thank God for innovation. We thank God for um, making us um, have the access or the expertise to be able to still bring the Word of God to you this morning. Um, quickly, before we go into the Word of God, please allow me to pray. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, so let's just pray. Everlasting Father God in heaven, what a delight it is and a joy and excitement to be in your presence. According to your word that says that at the entrance of your word, bring it light and that light give it understanding to the simple. Father God in heaven, we bring forth our minds, our intellect as a plain canvas, asking that Lord, you will write your laws on our hearts that by virtue of the truth we'll be receiving this morning, Father, let our lives take a new turn in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will open our hearts and our minds. Let it be a good ground for your word to be sown, O God, and let there be transformation. Let there be renewal of mind and let the name of the Lord Jesus be glorified in Jesus' mighty and matchless name. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, and so this morning our anchor text is taken from the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah chapter 61 from verses 1 to 7. Isaiah chapter 61 from verses 1 to 7. Praise the Lord. And I'll just jump into it real quick because um, I'm excited for what I have to show or rather what God has laid in my heart to share with us this morning. And I trust God that he will bless you in no little way. Hallelujah. Okay. So Isaiah chapter 61 from verses 1 to 7 and I read and it says this was Isaiah in prophecy um, speaking about the mission of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And so here it says the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God. Why? He says to comfort all who mourn in Zion. Can I hear your amen? To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the plantings of our God, that he may be glorified. And this says here that the reason why Christ is doing all this, or the reason why God has sent Christ to do all this, is captured from verse 4 downwards. And it says that, And they shall rebuild old ruins. They shall rise up, they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities. The desolations of many generations, strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. Can I get an amen? And the sons of the foreigner shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. It says, But you shall be named the priest of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. And the anchor text 
for our month in the month of October is in the verse 7 and it says instead of shame hallelujah instead of your shame you shall have double honor and instead of confusion they shall rejoice in their portion therefore in their land they shall possess double and everlasting joy shall be theirs allow me to please pray for you for someone perhaps you're going through a downtime you're going through a time where perhaps you you're feeling so overwhelmed and you're wondering but lord when is all this going to end when is all this going to change by the spirit of god i just want to pray for you and ask that father in the name of jesus i pray for everyone that is listening to me this morning that perhaps they're feeling overwhelmed stretched spent and they're wondering but lord when will my help come father by the reason of this prophetic word that says that instead of your shame you shall have double honor Father, Lord, I decree in the name of Jesus that their season of honor is now and that your name be glorified in Jesus' mighty and matchless name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Uh, for those of us who are writing, I always encourage people that whenever you come under the auspice of God's word, it's highly imperative that you be able to pen down something because the Holy Spirit will be introduced. One of the ways through which God speaks to us is that he begins to introduce thoughts, godly thoughts, ideas into your mind. And the reality of it is that the sharpest mind is blunter than the sharpest pencil. Praise God. In other words, whatever you're able to write down is what you're capable of remembering. So no matter how um, quick or, or excellent your mind or your, or your memory may be, the reality of it is the bluntest pencil is sharper than the sharpest mind. Why? Because whatever you write is what you're capable of remembering. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay. And so the title of my sermon this beautiful morning is titled The Power and the Principle of Honor. Praise the Lord. The Power and the Principle of Honor. And just to begin to explore the thoughts that came to my mind when the Lord began to um, inspire me um, with this sermon. You see, when it comes to the mission and the agenda of Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us from the book of Matthew chapter 9 verse 35, it says that then Jesus went all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues. And the key thing I want to say next, it says what? And he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. The key thing there was the fact that Jesus went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Now, why is this important? It's important because, you see, the gospel of the kingdom is aimed at spreading good news to people who perhaps they have experienced um, um, or their experiences in life have been so negative and they're wondering when will my change come i'll give you a case in point when you read through the gospels the reason why jesus was preaching about the god of the kingdom was because currently speaking in biblical times they were under the rule of the roman empire and as a result of that their taxes were high they were highly marginalized and so when jesus was preaching about the good news about the kingdom of god it was to create an excitement in their heart 
that a new order has come. Praise God. However, they did not understand what Jesus was trying to say. And why do I say this? Is because um, in the later part of my sermon, you begin to understand that Christ was trying to make them see that the kingdom was not really of a geographical location but rather the kingdom experience started from within praise god and so you see in the book of isaiah chapter 9 when isaiah began to prophesy about the birth of jesus christ he says that for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given and he says that the government will be upon his shoulders and his name will be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace and it says of the increase of his government praise god and peace there will be no end and upon the throne of david and over his kingdom to order it to establish it with judgment from that time forward forever and ever and it says the zeal of the lord shall perform this isaiah chapter 9 from verse 6 to 7. what am i trying to say here is because you see when you're talking about the subject of the kingdom first and foremost you must understand that this kingdom must first of all have a king and in that kingdom there must be a culture and so that culture as we know sociologically is the way of life of a group of people living in a certain place at a particular time and so when christ was preaching about the kingdom of god he was saying that he's establishing a kingdom where he jesus will be the king and everyone who chooses to align his or herself with the principles or the culture of this kingdom is subject to experiencing anything that the king originally intended for the citizens of that kingdom to enjoy praise god so a classical example is we live here in the united kingdom and the united kingdom in a way operates a monarch system and the monarch system is such that anyone who identifies with this kingdom the united kingdom is bound to enjoy certain benefits that not other people are privileged to enjoy and so in the context of god's kingdom here jesus was preaching about the kingdom and saying that a kingdom has come and in that kingdom god is king and in that kingdom, God has designed a system that makes for the advancement or progress of anyone who chooses to align themselves with this kingdom. I trust God that I'm making sense to you. And so in the concept of that now, you begin to understand that, that the reason why all this was happening was because like I said earlier, the people were being marginalized by the Romans. Praise the Lord. And so Jesus was saying that, you know, that the new kingdom has come. And the Pharisees began to ask Jesus, when will this kingdom come? Because, I mean, it's almost like a small child. You're saying that, oh, I bought you something new. The next thing they were asking you is, oh, when is it coming? When is it coming? I need to see it. Why? Because they wanted to experience the delight and the joy of not having to live their lives in a marginalized state. And so when you look at the book of Luke chapter 17, 20 to 21, Luke 17, chapter 20, Luke chapter 17 from verses 20 to 21, you begin to see here, the Bible says that now the Pharisees asked when the kingdom of God will come. And he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor would they say, see here or see there. 
Praise the Lord. It says, for indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. In other words, if you wanted to enjoy the realities of the kingdom of God, it must, first of all, start from within. And that aspect of this starting from within is that your mind is renewed to align with the principles or in quote, the culture of the kingdom of God. And so I'm just getting excited here because um, I want you to understand what God had already instituted here. Praise the Lord, okay? And so like I said earlier, in the kingdom of God, there is a culture, or in any kingdom, there is a culture. And in the kingdom of God, it's not an exception. And so for that reason here, God established certain principles that makes for advancement of anyone, be you Jew, be you Gentile, be you male, female, makes for advancement of anyone who chooses to align themselves with the adherence to these principles and that is why the beauty of god is that the kingdom of god or the principles of the kingdom of god is so superior that it is has the power and the potency to override any adverse experience that you may be currently experiencing and what do i mean by this so for instance in the kingdom of god god has established a principle and in that principle, one of them being what the laws of giving. In other words, that if you want to be blessed, if you want to increase, giving is the gateway. Why? Because the Bible said that there is him that scattereth, and yet he abounded them all. But there is him who withholdeth what he has, and he landed unto penury. In other words, even those who don't believe in God understand the potency of charity. Why? Because that is the gateway for advancing in this kingdom. Praise the Lord. And so in the kingdom of God here, we begin to see that the wisdom of God is such that he established principles or in quote protocols that enable that so long as we subscribe to these protocols, God is capable of heeding or making good what he has promised. Praise the Lord, okay? And I find it very interesting because when you read the book of Genesis, that's why you can be confident when the Bible says that and God rested. God does not need to create anything again. He has put in a system that makes it sure that the humanity is sustained and our sustainability or our sustenance is guaranteed so long as we align ourselves to the kingdom principles. I, I, I trust God that I'm making sense. And so in the book of Genesis chapter 1 from verses 11 to 12, God was saying here that let the earth bring forth grass and the herb yield seeds and the fruit that yields fruit according to its kind. It says what? Whose seed in itself. In other words, what God established at creation was such that everything had the capacity to reproduce itself. So long as the principles for reproduction um, was adhered to. So in other words, resident within us are the capabilities and the capacities for us to do certain things that would make for the advancement of humankind. Praise God. In other words, God had done everything. And one of the things that God has established for the advancement of mankind is the principle of honor. Praise the Lord. Is the principle of honor. I, I, I feel very strongly about this principle because, you know, someone said that if you experience or if you want to trace 
the downfall of any nation, if you want to trace the downfall of any individual organization, you would always, you can always trace it back to dishonor. Praise God. You could always trace it back to dishonor. Praise God. And so what does this, I said here in my notes that one of the principles in the kingdom of God that is responsible for the advent of humanity is honor. And it says, just like the seed in Genesis, resident in every human being is the ability or the capacity to communicate or to portray honor. However, when honor is not present, dishonor is responsible for the stagnation and the regression of humanity. I'll say that again, that when honor is not present, dishonor is responsible for the regression and the stagnation of mankind. Praise God. And so then, if that be the case, what then is honor? Praise God. What then is honor? Based on biblical injunction and according to Bible scholars, we are made to understand that the Greek word for honor is timao. Timao and simply implying that what? It is to assign value to something or someone. I'm going somewhere. In other words, when you say you honor something or you honor someone, it simply implies that what? You have ascribed a certain value to that specific thing or that specific individual. Praise God. And so you begin to see, and that is why, like I said earlier, resident within us, God has already put that capacity for us to value things, but it's in the valuing of the right thing or the right person that makes for my advancement and your advancement. Praise the Lord. Okay. And so we begin to see something very interesting here. Unfortunately, you see, um, we live in an age where um, everybody's woke. Praise the Lord. Everybody believes that um, I possess knowledge. And so for that reason, I must communicate my superiority um, as a result of the knowledge that I possess by disrespecting or trying to belittle people. However, you realize that that is an enemy's, or rather that is the enemy's way of leaving people stagnated and regressing. Remember I said that whenever dishonor, or rather whenever honor is not present, dishonor is responsible for the regression and the stagnation of humankind. And so unfortunately we live in a day of social media. And the reality of it is that, you know, so for that reason, you have people who in court, they call them the keyboard warriors. In other words, they stay behind their phones and just feel the need to disregard or to um, disrespect certain people. But the reality of it is that they fail to understand that anyone you disrespect or you disregard there is always a consequence for that action. Praise the Lord. I'll say that again. Anyone or anything you disregard always comes with a consequence. However, we don't get to choose what the consequence may be. That is left for God to decide. Praise the Lord. Okay. And so here we begin to see that the essence of honor 
is that God has placed deposits in each and every one of us. Every one of us possess a certain uniqueness about us. And however, when I begin to place a value on that uniqueness, I am honoring what you represent or I am honoring your person. Praise the Lord. Remember, I'm saying that what? One of the ways through which God has made for my advancement and your advancement is that in the kingdom of God, if we are going to advance, one of the principles that we must practice is the ability to communicate honor. Praise God. Okay. And so I begin to um, expand on my point. The Bible tells us in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, rather. Apostle Paul begins to say that what? For we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Praise God. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. And he says what? That the power, that the excellency of the power of God will be of God and not of men. In other words, as a result of what is happening in their ministry, he begins to acknowledge something, that God has deposited a uniqueness in each and every one of us. However, the excellency of that uniqueness is not to the glory of man, but to the glory of God. And so you begin to see that all throughout the scripture, Whenever God wanted to lift an individual, he always used people. Praise the Lord. Whenever God wanted to lift an individual or to cause them to move from one level of glory to another, he always used people. But how did this come about? It's as a result of people identifying that uniqueness and celebrating that uniqueness. Praise the Lord. I'll give you a classical example. The Bible tells us about the story of Elijah and Elisha. Now, when Elijah's time was over here on the earth and it was time to depart, he made known his departure to his sons of the prophets. Likewise, Elisha, who was his uh, assistant or prodigy at the time. However, Elisha honored Elisha celebrated the uniqueness, the uniqueness of Elijah. And he told him and said in the book of Kings that, you know what, master, I want a double portion of your anointing. In other words, he acknowledged the uniqueness of God in the life of his master, Elijah. And for so doing, God gave him the double portion on the life of him, Elisha. Praise the Lord. However, one of the greatest things that masks honor or tries to rob us of honor is the aspect of familiarity. Praise the Lord. It's the aspect of familiarity. And I say familiarity because we, as a result of the closeness or the proximity we enjoy with a certain people, we begin to um, downgrade their value. And for that reason, we don't acknowledge their uniqueness. And so for that reason, we are not entitled to enjoy the uniqueness or the 
or the giftings that they possess. Praise the Lord. We are not entitled to enjoy it. However, God has designed that when we celebrate the uniqueness of any individual or anybody in any certain office, then by reason of the proclamation they declare on our lives, then that makes about our advancement or um, progression in life. Praise God. I remember a scripture in the Gospels. Jesus was saying that what? A prophet is without honor except in his own household. In other words, this is that's why you will realize that even for the life of Jesus, you see, the people kept on saying, oh, is that not Joseph's son who is a carpenter? But not realizing that what he was the Messiah who has come. Praise the Lord. But nobody but those who failed to acknowledge his uniqueness did not enjoy. Because the Bible says that when he got to Nazareth, he could do no mighty works except that he healed only a few people. Why? Because they dishonored or disregarded him. Praise the Lord. I mean, as a matter of fact, you read the book of Matthew chapter 5 verse 8. Jesus was lamenting and he said that these people honor me with their lips. However, their heart is far from me. Praise God. That they honor me with their lips. In other words, they are so quick to communicate and say, Oh, I love you, master this. However, not realizing that God cannot be mocked. When you read the book of Jeremiah 17, the Bible says that I, the Lord, I search the heart, I try the reins, and to give to each one according to the state of their heart. In other words, if we are going to truly communicate honor, honor must be genuine. It must be from the heart. It must be sincere. And the reality of it is only you and God can prove the sincerity of your heart. And so we're looking at honor. And so who are those that I must honor? Because remember I said, the Bible says that we have this treasure in 18 vessels that the excellency may be of the power of God and not of men. In other words, that God has placed certain deposits in certain people. And by virtue of us celebrating and acknowledging these people for their uniqueness, God blesses us for being obedient in that wise. And so who and who must I honor? Number one, if we are going to enjoy the dividends of honor, number one is that what? We must honor God. Praise the Lord. We must honor God. Look at what the Bible says here in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. 1 Samuel 2, verse 30. This was God speaking and he says, Therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that the house, that your house and your the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, Far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. In other words, what God was saying here is that if we are going to advance, God must occupy a special place in your heart and in my heart. In other words, we are reverencing him for who he is. Who is God to you? Remember I said that what honor means value, you placing a certain degree of value. How do you value God? Where does God stand in the grand scheme of things of your life? Because only then are we able to enjoy the blessings of God. Number two, who are we supposed to honor? 
the second category of people that we're supposed to honor for our advancement is all men. Look at what the Bible says in 1 Peter 2 verse 17. 1 Peter 2 verse 17. The Bible says here, and it says that what? Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God and honor the king. Praise God. In other words, we must shift from the era of looking down on people. You see, the greatest tragedy or the greatest mistake anyone can make is to judge you based on your present, not knowing what God will do in your tomorrow. Praise the Lord. I'll say it again. The greatest tragedy that can happen to anybody is to judge somebody based on their today, not knowing what God intends to do for their tomorrow. Can you imagine someone like Joseph, someone who was in the prison or who was a prisoner for a crime he did not commit? Now, could you imagine the people who were around him? After all, I'm sure they'll be saying, oh, this bloody um, Israelite, he's here to be a slave and all whatnot. However, not realizing that that was going to be the prime minister tomorrow. Look at the life of Joseph's brothers. When he shared the dream, they disregarded him. They discounted the gift, the uniqueness of what God had deposited in him. But God being so merciful, it was this same boy that God used to preserve their life years to come. Why am I saying this? It's because in this day and age, we find people who place no value on the people around them. Everybody, they try to look down on them or whatever it is, but that that is to your detriment because anyone or anybody you disregard, you are not entitled to enjoy what they carry. And so when it comes to the category of honoring all men, when it comes to the category of honoring all men, you must understand that although, although people will have their flaws, but when you're honoring them, you must not take their flaws into account. Why? Because everybody is human. And when I say this is because for some people, you the reason or the justification for why you choose not to honor is based on the flaws or the shortcomings of these people. And that's not how God works because in the kingdom of God, we are made to understand that what his principles must be adhered to. I'll give you a classical example. There was a relationship between David and Saul. However, David did nothing wrong other than the fact that God used him to slay um, the giant Goliath. And for that reason, you know, Saul began to envy him and wanted to kill him. Okay. However, he had the opportunity. God even presented the opportunity for him to take out his enemy. But the Bible says that what and David honored Saul and said, I cannot do this against the Lord's own anointed. In other words, when he was judging the life of Saul, he did not judge Saul based on his mistake, but he judged him based on the uniqueness God has placed in his life. 
I'm going somewhere. Now, when it comes to the life of our elders or our parents or whatever it is, um, many at times the justification the enemy uses to cause us to disrespect or to disregard people is as a result of the mistakes they've made or their shortcomings. And the Bible tells us clearly, clearly, in the book of Ephesians, in the book of Ephesians, I'll just read it quickly. Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2. The Bible says what? Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Praise God. Many a times people are quick to disregard their parents on account of the mistakes their parents may have made or things that their parents may have not done right. But remember that these people are only human. But the moment you choose to honor them in the office they occupy in your life as a parent, the Bible says here that what is guaranteed is long life. Unfortunately, we see many young people who are dying as a result of the negligence that they fail to, um, or rather the negligence they display in this wise. And that is why we, and that is why it's so key for me that I just felt that God wanted me to communicate this to us, particularly in this younger generation, where we are so quick to disrespect our boss because perhaps you think I can as well just get a job of my own and I can do better by myself. However, certain principles must be obeyed. Obeyed. Why? Because you may be an employee today, but you could be a boss tomorrow. But how you treated your boss yesterday would determine how your employees will treat you tomorrow. This is why you realize that when you dishonor an individual, the consequence you don't get to choose. God or life has a way of settling scores. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And that is why wisdom demands that you and I begin to pay adequate attention to ensure that we don't become victims to these mistakes but rather we are able to learn from it and we are able to progress and be all what God has called you and I to be. Praise God. And so again, even as I begin to round up on the subject of this honor, you begin to realize that you must celebrate and appreciate the uniqueness or the value that anyone possesses because everybody has something to offer. That is why the Bible says that what he who honors a prophet in the office of that prophet. Now, that person could be your brother, he could be your mother, whatever it is. However, because they occupy the office of a prophet, if you honor them in that wise, they have the capacity to releasing a blessing on your life that God is obliged to honor. A classical example is in the Bible again, in the life of Miriam and Moses. Now, mind you, Miriam was Moses' big sister. And like, I went, and like I said earlier, familiarity is one of those things that the enemy uses to rob us of what God intends for us. Now, mind you that when Moses was born, this same Miriam was the one who nursed him inside um 
Pharaoh's house when Moses was put in a basket and all that. And so she was familiar after all, he's my younger brother. But forgetting that God was using this young man to accomplish his purpose on the earth. And so the Bible tells us in the book of Numbers, I believe, that um, there came a time where Moses decided to marry an Ethiopian woman. And for that reason, Aaron, the brother, and Miriam began to despise Moses. Familiarity came into play. After all, God is using him and God can use anybody. However, the Bible says that what, as a result of that disregard, they had to pay for that. Praise God. And I pray that that will not be anyone's portion because you, you realize that in the kingdom of God as established earlier, God has put these principles to ensure that you and I not only advance, but we represent God in the proper light. And I, and, I, and, and I genuinely pray that by virtue of you coming to the understanding of this reality, you are able to now begin to practice honor, to communicate honor, to value people, to honor people in the office that they occupy. So you're an employee and you go to, boss, to work and your boss could be the most horrible of people. However, the Bible says in Hebrews 13 that every authority has been established by God. And the reality of it is God is not really interested in how that person treated you, but what was your response to that person. And so you might have a horrible boss or whatever it is, but why don't you choose to honor that person as being an authority over your life? These are the basic things that by virtue of practicing it, God comes to honor it and indeed you are lifted. Praise God. You know, in my life, I remember there was a certain experience I had when I used to work in the bank in Nigeria sometime in the past. You know, and I had this boss that for some reason, he took no liking to me and for some reason, I don't know, and almost made my life miserable. But I made up my mind that I would never disrespect or disregard this man. But I knew that that was a test that I needed to pass. And glory be to God, the story is different today. You see, and that's why you must understand that people in your life are gateways to your next level. But until you honor them in the office that they occupy, you are not entitled to enjoy whatever blessing. You know, I remember a time again um, when I got my first paycheck, I decided that I was going to honor everybody who played a significant role in my life up until that point. And so, I'm a, I mean, for, for my uncles who played a certain role in my life, I bought them a carton of wine and things like that. And I remember I bought a piece of um, clothing and I went to give it to my grandma. And my grandma was so shocked that what made this young guy understand this principle that he did, that he chose to do this for me. And I don't know, I guess the Holy Spirit just inspired me to do it or whatever it is, but it was a genuine thing that I wanted to do just to honor them. And the reality of it is that my grandma prayed for me. And I trust that that is the blessings that I'm still enjoying 
up until this day. Now, the reality of it is, you know, these people have their faults, they have their shortcomings, but the moment you choose to honor them in the office that they occupy, to place a value in the office that they occupy, God is sure to reward you for so doing. So I conclude with this. I conclude with this. The reality of it is this. God wants to lift you. God wants to lift me because the Bible says that what the path of the just man is like a shining light and it shines brighter and brighter onto a more perfect day. However, if we are going to be lifted, as we see in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, we must be a man and a woman of honor. That at no point in time are we going to allow the, the devil deceive us into disrespecting or disregarding certain um, important people in our lives. As a matter of fact, I came across a quote that says, honor is simply the morality of superior men. In other words, for those who have advanced and gone far in life, whenever you trace back to the things that made for their lifting, you would always see that they honored people along the way. The same thing with Esther and Mordecai. You see that God honors our principles and by virtue of abiding by those principles, God will make you a wonder on this earth. Amen. Praise God. You know, I, I, I trust that this must have blessed you and will carry on from this teaching next week. But I trust that you'll be blessed in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Perhaps you are yet to give your life to Christ because one of the criteria or the basis upon which God is able to um, honor the practice of your life is acknowledging him. As your Lord and Savior. That's why I said that these principles, so long as anybody chooses to identify with the kingdom of God, by virtue of identifying with him and his kingdom, you are entitled to enjoy the dividends of being a citizen of his kingdom. And so for that reason, if you're yet to give your life to Christ, why don't you say this prayer with me and say, Lord Jesus, um, forgive me of all my sins. I acknowledge that you died for me on the cross of Calvary. And on the third day you rose again. I ask that you would come into my life, cleanse me with your blood, and make me whole again. Even as I confess you as my Lord and my personal Savior, in Jesus' mighty name. If you've said this prayer, allow me to say congratulations. And I trust that indeed, things are going to go remarkably well for you, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let us just pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your word that has come this morning to just bless us. Lord, we give you all the glory. We ask, O oh God in heaven, that this word that we have received will be etched in our hearts, that it will stand as pillars, leading us in the path that we should go, and that your name be glorified. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you and enjoy the rest of the service. Amen.